children, to children's church. Everybody else, Ephesians chapter 6, please, in your Bibles. Would you please turn with me to Ephesians 6. I'm going to ask you to join with me in a couple aspects of the service today. Um, Don't worry, I'm not going to call you up front or anything or ask you to do anything too challenging, but I do want you to engage with me. We are uh, taking a break from our series talking about the ministry of Jesus Christ, and actually when I come back after today, we're going to be beginning a series on prayer. And so I'd encourage you to pray um, how the Lord might use that in your life. Pray for me as I uh, prepare our messages. And we've, gone, we've done a series on prayer a number of times since I've been here, and they're always very special. I think that prayer is one area that the devil attacks in and that we sometimes will be on the mountaintop, and other times it seems like our prayer life is really dwindling. And so you pray about that upcoming series on prayer. As we start today, I want to ask you a question, and I'm going to ask you just to go back in your mind over the past year or so, and I want to ask you what kind of changes have taken place in your life over the past year? Have you seen some changes? Are are some things definitely different now than they were a year ago? For some of you, maybe you've had some blessings. You've had the Lord just give you some incredible um, events in your life or grow you in your walk with Him. For others, it could be that you face some discouragement. Has there been a time in the past year where you have sat maybe by yourself and, and the tears just came because of something that you didn't understand or something you couldn't control? I know that's the case with me. I can remember when and where I was when... There was so much confusion and so much discouragement. Maybe some of you have faced some confusion like many of us. Maybe there's someone who's close to you and, and it seems like they've gone off the deep end. It just seems like they're just being so, uh, so dogmatic about something that you're not quite sure how to handle that. It almost feels like they're angry with you regarding this confusion. Maybe some of you have some develop, developed some good patterns in the past year. I hope that's you. I hope that you've developed some good habits in the past year. And it's very possible that some have developed some bad things in the past year. The COVID-19 meant something different for some of us. Some of us gained the COVID-19 as opposed to getting the COVID-19, 19 pounds that is. You and I, no doubt, are on a battleground. And what we're going to see in our time in God's Word today is that we are on a battleground fighting an enemy that has a clear strategy. And his strategy is never going to be set aside as long as we are here in this world. And the captain of our army is putting us on alert. And so I want to come together as a church family, and I want for us to go to Ephesians chapter 6, and I want for us to... Um, look at a couple things today. One, how are you doing after this attack? But then for some of you, are you prepared for the next attack? When we think of challenges over uh, recent history, there's no doubt that there are some things that we have never seen in our lifetime. But just because some things seem to be getting back to normal does not mean that the devil is going to be taking a break 
He is tireless in His attacks of us. When we think of our enemy, the devil, we understand very much so that the devil hates God. He hates God. And if he cannot keep you from giving your life to God, if he cannot keep you from accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior, then what he wants to do is he wants to keep you as far away as he can. He wants to keep you away from that God who saved you. We know why the devil came. The devil is our enemy. The devil came because he hates God and he hates you. Make no mistake about it. On this positive day that we're going to celebrate with a fellowship meal, and it's so good to see people that some of you haven't seen in months, we have an enemy that is standing at attention to go against us, and he is not done fighting. We know why the devil came. Why did Jesus Christ come to this earth? If I were to give you a second to think about that, you could probably come up with some pretty good answers. Why did Christ come? We find a wonderful response in 1 John 3, 8. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. And so those who know Christ understand that at the cross of Jesus Christ, he accomplished his work, and it's clear that the works of Satan are defeated at the cross. But we must understand that even though his works are defeated, his works have yet to be completely destroyed. Death will be that last one that will be destroyed. Victory for you and I is imminent. But have you you noticed that the devil, even though he can read the end just like you and I in the book of Revelation, he can see that he is bound to lose this battle... Has anybody else noticed that the devil hasn't give up, given up in the fighting? Has anybody else noticed that? The devil is fighting more than ever. It seems like every time we turn around, there is some kind of a new attack. I want to tell you about someone who paid attention to these attacks from the devil, and they gave us some encouragement. I told you I'm going to ask you to participate a little bit. Would you grab a hymnal that should be in the pew rack in front of you? And I want for us to turn to the back of that hymnal. There's a whole section of songs that talk about the conflict that we face. Turn to 723 as we get started. I'm not going to have you read out loud, and I'm also not going to sing up here for you. But I do want to go over some of these lines that the hymn writers wrote so long ago because they're so pertinent for us today. Starting with 723, just the first line. Now, before we read, look up here. I need you to ask yourself, does this describe you? Have you seen this in the past year? Are you prepared for this in the upcoming year? Because the devil would love for you not to realize that you are in a battlefield. He would love for you to be very, very comfortable, very, very calm. And so as we read these lyrics of these songs, ask yourself the question, does this describe me? The first line of the first verse of 723, soldiers of Christ arise and put your armor on. Turn the page to 724. Lead on, O King Eternal, the day of March has come. Henceforth, in fields of conquest, 
the tent, thy tents shall be our home. Turn another page, 725. Does this describe you? Mighty warrior, dressed for battle. Turn another page, 727. Encamped along the hills of light, ye Christian soldiers rise and press the battle ere the night shall veil the glowing skies. Against the foe in veils below, let all our strength be hurled. Faith is the victory we know that overcomes the world. I want to read the last verse of 728 just across the page, the fourth verse. Sure, I must fight if I would reign. Increase my courage, Lord. I'll bear the toll, and, I'll bear the toll endure the pain, supported by thy word. And then turn to 730, a couple pages over, and look at the second verse. Does this describe you? Stand up, stand up for Jesus, the trumpet call obey, forth to the mighty conflict in this His glorious day. Ye that are men now serve Him against unnumbered foes. Let courage rise with danger and strength to strength oppose. And then just the first few words of the next song, 731. Onward, Christian soldiers, marching as to war. I loved these songs when I was young. I grew up in church, and these were kind of a militant kind of song. Some of you probably enjoyed these songs as well. I enjoyed singing them. But I have to be honest, I really never knew what those words meant when I was 15 years old and when I was 19 years old. But the longer I follow the Lord Jesus Christ, the more I realize there is an enemy that very much so wants to knock me and knock you out of commission. If he cannot have our soul, he wants us to be lulled into being passive and being comfortable, or else he wants us to be defeated in whatever place where we are at. We have an enemy. And these words should ring true to us as we observe what's going on around us. All that to take us to Ephesians chapter 6. If you're not there already, please turn to Ephesians 6. It's page 1,125 on the Pew Bible in front of you. If you don't have your own Bible, please keep that one. Starting in verse 10 of Ephesians 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. I want to ask two questions and answer two questions specifically today that's going to guide us here. The first question is this. What are the schemes of the devil? When we ask that question, it probably causes a lot of different thoughts to come to your mind. I know I was talking a couple days ago with Tina, and as we talked about the schemes of the devil, 
and that topic came up, she didn't need a half a second to think about this. She listed one. She listed another. These are the ways the devil's attacking me. These are the ways the devil is attacking our family. And if I were to give you a moment, or even ask you now to write down, what do you think has been a scheme of the devil in your life in the past year? Many of you would not have to search for very long to find out what that is. Some of you have been driven to the point of tears because of it. Some of you have been called to attention because of it. And of course, we can't go into the specific schemes that every one of you has faced today. And I want to spend some time talking about three very broad schemes that the devil has been working overtime on in the past year. And I know this for a fact because he's been working on them for a lot longer than that. And for some of you, with one of these areas, he is going to be working very, very hard in the upcoming months. He knows that if he can get us to doubt God and God's plan in one of these areas, that it will take the legs out of everything else in our walk with God. It will make us ineffective while following our Lord. The first scheme that I see the devil's working on is he is working to make you doubt who God is and that God has a plan for you. As we look at our God, as we sang about him in the beautiful songs this morning, wasn't that wonderful? And we sing about these things and we have scripture committed to memory about God's character and yet still the devil gets us to doubt who he is, who God is. Because when we look at our God, we know that He has all power, He has all knowledge, and He's present everywhere. And yet, that's not good enough for us sometimes. Satan's been attacking this for as long as man has been around. Can you remember with me going back into the garden, the Garden of Eden, and when the devil appeared to Eve, can you remember the conversation they had? It is the exact same attack that we're talking about today. The devil in the form of a snake goes to Eve and talks to her. And do you remember the question that he asked? Did God really say that you can't eat of that fruit? He wanted to get Adam and Eve to question the character of God. And on top of that, he wanted to get them to question that God has a good plan for them. What's at the heart? of that question. Did God really say that? At the heart of the question is this, God doesn't really have what is best for you in mind. He doesn't really want you to be happy or else He wouldn't be keeping you from that fruit over there. And He would want them to doubt who God is and that God loves them and has a plan for their life. And you and I today would not say something else as a God in our life. But you have to answer this question. Where are you putting your confidence? I love in the scriptures when Christ interacted with his apostles that he performed this miracle of feeding thousands and thousands of people. And then they got into the boat. And do you remember how the weather changed? Do you remember that? How the weather changed when they got into the boat? There was a storm that came and Christ is sleeping 
Christ gets up, and it's so simple for him. He just basically says, stop it to the weather, and the storm stops. And then do you remember the attribute they needed to work on that Jesus challenges them about? Oh, ye of little what? Faith. Our faith must be building. When we go through challenges, the devil wants you to think you've got to look somewhere else. Would a good God really allow that to happen? And as we study God and his character, we understand that these attributes don't conflict with each other. Can a good God be love and be just at the same time? They do not conflict with one another, but instead they complement one another. And it's your job to study his character. Your job to observe him look, working in your life and seeing those things displayed and then reflecting the character of Jesus Christ back. But if he can get you to doubt who he is, that he really is a good God, or look anywhere else, look anywhere else for help, that is a win for the devil. So what do we do? We simply respond with this, God, I am convinced of and committed to your perfect character. And that means no matter what, no matter what comes my way, I am committed to you and to your character. You can do no wrong. Isaiah 12 verse 2 says, behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This was very, very real to me in the past year. I can remember the day filled with confusion, not knowing what to do. So many more questions than answers. You know what I'm talking about? So many more questions than answers. And I can remember in my quiet time in the morning being so confused and wanting God, to, wanting God to speak to me, wanting God to drop a note from the sky or give some kind of a special uh, announcement. And as sweet and as warm and as beautiful as I can try to explain it to you, I need to let you know that God let me know in that moment of my confusion and my pain, he let me know, Jeremy, it's okay that you don't have the answers for all of this. But when you don't have those answers, trust me. And when you do get the answers that you think you needed, at that point, trust me. God wants the trust of us in who he is and that we are here for a reason if God saved you, he left you here in this world for a reason. There's a very specific reason, and he wants you to trust him in that. The second thing the devil is doing, I believe, this big victory, if he can accomplish it, is he is scheming to make you doubt the value of the Bible. The devil constantly is working to make you and I doubt the value of God's word. Now, I think it's fair to say when we look at this that this has backfired with a lot of people. Some of you are going to know what I'm talking about. When some of us were told we had to stay home, or some of you had maybe your workplace canceled or even a church service canceled in person, 
How many of you had a time in God's word that was more than before? So many of us, right? God's word became so special. I remember one individual, I officiated her wedding years ago, and she said, this is going to be the time that I'm going to read through the entire Bible. Backfire on the devil, I love that. Someone else I was talking to, they said, I've had my devotions more days in a row than I can remember. Backfire on the devil. How wonderful is that? And so when we look at this attack for the devil to want to make us doubt the value of the Bible, some of us might think, you failed there. But I want to point you to the fact that our calendars are getting a little more full now, aren't they? Schedules are going back to normal, as they say. And if you don't think that the devil would love to have you say, well, you know what, I can get back to what I was with my devotions every once in a while, every now and then, then that's a victory for him. The solution to this is for us to be resolved. I am convinced of and committed to knowing and living out God's word. Psalm 19.7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. One more scheme of the devil, and this is one that I get on a soapbox every once in a while about, and I think that the devil's made quite a bit of progress on this one in the past year. The devil is scheming to disconnect you from the local church. I don't just say church there because a lot of folks want to say I'm part of the church, meaning the universal church. I get what you mean when you say you're part of the body of Christ. But God established his church in this world for a reason. It's so you can be a part of it. It's so that you can be part of making it work. Using your gifts, your talents for him. Allowing others to serve and stirring them up. And I need to warn you about what I'm about to say. Don't take anything out of context. Are you ready? Because what I'm about to say are all good things that the devil would use to substitute for the best thing. The best thing is that you are a part of a local church. That church is essential in your life. That you are missed when you're not there and that you miss them when, when, when you're not there. And so when I say that so many individuals have said, you know what, I didn't listen to one sermon on Sunday morning, I was listening to five sermons on Sunday morning. I've talked to a few folks like that. Some of you are in that category. I was listening to preacher after preacher. That's a good thing. But it cannot substitute for God's family joining together corporately and the Holy Spirit doing something amazing in our midst as we gather around His Word. Individuals will say, giving? I've given more money to the Billy Graham Association and Samaritan's Purse in the past year? How fabulous is that? It is good. But it cannot substitute for tithing at a local church and being a part of what's going on here in our community and around the world like the missionaries that we saw an update from a little bit ago. Some would say, I've been volunteering at the food pantry. We can do good things to try to take the place of what God wants us to have in the church, but we must not allow anything to take the place of the church. Do not fall for the scheme of the devil that the church is not important to you. Hebrews chapter 10, 24 and 25. 
Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as, the habit of some, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Okay, what are the schemes of the devil? These are three. And my suspicion is, is that you have one in the back of your mind. But let's go ahead and move past that and let's ask and answer this question. How do I stand strong in such a different and challenging world? For you, you are in a world that opposes God, opposes the principles of God's word, and opposes you if you stand for him. Now, I want to go ahead and we've been in Ephesians 6. I want to take us to the foundation for Ephesians 6 when that church started. So would you please turn with me to Acts chapter 19. We're going to read a section in Acts chapter 19 that is about when the church could not be ignored. The Apostle Paul, for two years plus, is um, in Ephesus. He starts this church And this church cannot be ignored because of what's going on. I want to read starting in verse 11, and I want you to get the flavor for how exciting and how wonderful this season was for that local church. Acts 19, starting in verse 11. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick. And their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Well, seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this, but the evil spirit answered them, Jesus, I know. And Paul, I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leapt on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. And many of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. And so the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. All right. The Apostle Paul writes this letter to the church at Ephesus. Many of them had experienced this time of excitement. Now Paul's gone. The season has changed. So how how easy is it going to be now to follow God, to worship Him in this world where these miraculous things are no longer happening? I want us to use our imaginations and imagine a conversation between two people. These aren't real people. We're just going to make up a couple characters. These are friends, a couple men that were friends, and they used to practice those magical arts together. 
One of them goes to that bonfire. By the way, one uh, teacher figured up how much that would be. That was a, about a $6 million bonfire that took place as they burned those magic books. One of them gave up this. He gave up his time at the temple that would go and worship Diana. And now he follows Jesus Christ. But now the excitement is over. The season has changed. And they're walking down the path together. Kish, who is one that still practices these dark arts. And then Benjamin. And they've known each other for the longest time. And as they're walking down, they're walking towards the temple. And Kish starts to go toward the temple. But he knows this guy. He says, let me, let me just invite him to come along with me. Benjamin, why don't you come with me to the temple? The temple of Diana. We'll go and have some fun. Oh, no, Benjamin says. I couldn't possibly do that. I follow Jesus. You know, I've heard you say that before, but that's okay. We, we can bring Jesus in. We've got a whole lot of gods. He can have a place. We might even give him a place of prominence. We remember what was done in his name a few years back. Why don't you come along to the temple with me? No, I can't do that. I follow only Jesus. You know, I've been kind of confused, Benjamin. What do, what do you do? I know what we do at the temple, so do you. What do you do at these, these gatherings of these people? What are you busy with? Oh, we read the scriptures, and we sing, and we pray. That doesn't sound like near as much fun as we have at the temple. You remember how much fun we have at the temple. I can't do that. I'm committed to God, to Jesus, and to His people. And then as he continues to talk to him, he says, How big of a group do you have? How many do you have there as you get together at the church in Ephesus? We, we've got a few. Do you have any of the intellectuals from town? Any of those that are influential? Well, some. Do you have as many at your group as are at the temple over there? No, not that many. It almost reminds me of that Old Testament story of Elijah. Remember Elijah and the prophets of Baal? He asked the question, how long are you going to stand between two opinions? Choose this day who you're going to serve. And those people who knew of God, but they did not know God, they did not answer Elijah. They're going to wait to see what happens. And with Elijah on this side and the prophets of Baal on this side, which one do you think appealed more? Hundreds of prophets of Baal, dressed up, given incredible uh, you know, clothes and, and all kinds of things to make their religion work. And they're going on and they're singing and making noises. This has to be the right thing over here, right? Look how exciting it looks to everybody. And what's on this side over here? Here's poor Elijah standing there with a bucket of water. Is that, is that very attractive? Is anybody going to choose that side? God answered with fire from heaven. It was clear to them in that day who was God, and those prophets of Baal were killed on that day. 
You and I stand in a similar place to Elijah. You and I stand in a similar place to that character, Benjamin. We need to make firm and deep these commitments to our God. And no matter what comes our way, we need to not allow anything to undercut them in our lives. The world will shout, that has to be right over there, and you must resolve to say, I will never relent on my commitment to my God. So what can we do with a message like this? The attacks of the devil in this pandemic were incredible, I think. And I don't want to discourage you today. I want to encourage you. The attacks of the devil that are in the near future for some of you, they are going to be incredible. And so what are we to do? Well, we commit to, maybe for the first time, or we recommit to these areas, to God's character knowing that God has never sinned, He has never made a mistake. God is working all things out for His glory and for your good. For your good. We commit to God's Word. I hope some of you have seen a backfire of the devil's plan and you've grabbed a hold of God's Word in the past months. I hope it's been so special to you. I hope that even you don't, that you don't get bogged down when you get to a part that might not be as exciting. Be committed to God's word. It is his roadmap for us in this world. And the, then be committed or recommit yourself to the church that God has given. On this side of heaven, if we can go back to those songs that we read the lyrics to, on this side of heaven... Who are you if you know Christ? You are a soldier. And on this side of heaven, what are you and I on? We are on a battlefield. I know this feels comfortable in here. I know we enjoy being together. But the battle rages and the devil will not rest And so, be strong and stand firm because you are on the victor's side. But we will be busy fighting until our Lord comes to take us home. Shall we pray? Gracious Father, when we look to you, it's with an anticipation that your perfect character will be demonstrated in our lives. We thank you for the promise that you have given. We thank you for the promise of eternal life, but also the promise that you're with us. That wonderful promise that Christ gave, I'm going to leave you guys, he told his disciples, something better is going to come. And as I and others have already prayed very clearly for the involvement of the Holy Spirit in our time, I pray that you would allow us to believe your promises, to believe in your church, and to believe in you. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for never failing to keep one promise and for giving us exactly what we need on this day. I want to give you a chance to pray this morning as the piano plays through softly. Perhaps you're here today and there have been times in the past year where you have been so confused or discouraged. Maybe you want to take time to thank God for not leaving you through that. Or thank God for giving you strength.
Maybe some of you have heard this message. There is an attack coming in the upcoming weeks, in the upcoming months. While we are still here, we will follow our captain and the devil will not stop. Maybe you want to pray and ask God to give you strength. It could be there's someone here today and they're not one of these soldiers with Jesus leading because they've never accepted Christ as Savior. Jesus Christ died on the cross for the sins of mankind. And it's only because of this that we can have victory. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Even in this moment, you can pray and ask God to forgive you of your sins and make you his child. If you've never done so, he promises to forgive those who ask him. You can do that even in this moment. Amen.